Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again. In, in the midst of a world that is so troubled in so many different areas, it's hard to imagine that we're even still here. But we just give you all the praise and honor, and we just ask you, Lord, to anoint us, to fill us with your presence, to draw us in closer, to protect us with your holy fire. And that these prayers will be very, they will bless you, they will bless our King, and that they will be very effectual uh, in the mission, ultimately, in the mission of the kingdom, which is to save the souls of the lost and also to protect your servants, Father, so that we are better able, uh, with much less demonic hindrances, to be able to serve you in the midst of the, the absolutely the most tumultuous times the earth has ever seen, beyond any question. And we can only expect, and we just praise you for this, Father, and we thank you for the revelations that come from your word and, and our understandings of the things that we are able to derive from decades, if not multiple decades, of prophecies that have been collected over time and correlated for key events and mapped back to the Bible that we have a reasonably good, not perfect, understanding of what we have in store for us. And uh, while we still maintain and hold on to the, the hope of, of rescue, but at the same time, you know, even though we have such diverse belief systems, I, I suspect every one of us, the, the, the listeners, you know, I, I deeply doubt that anyone, any listener out there that has uh, been listening and participating in this program uh, over the last 10 years or so believes everything that I believe, uh, interprets things the same way that I do. I would be shocked to think that anyone would, that we all have our own beliefs. We all have things that we hold deeply, you know, we believe certain things because of our upbringing, because of things that are interpretations of what we've read in the Bible. And that's okay, because those differences put us together as one body in Christ, and iron sharpens iron, and it helps us to be able to sort out the um, challenges, the ambiguities, the disconnects, the things that people say that don't happen, the things that we believe are going to happen that don't happen. And when we put it all together, we can kind of nursemaid each other along this journey that is very difficult. And, um, and, and we need your presence in our lives. We need a supernatural shove, really, a, a type of, uh, well, let's just call it an anointing that we can't really put our arms around, maybe not articulate, but some type of an anointing that will draw us in even more close than we have been able to get you know, through our own perseverance, prayer, time with you, setting us aside that secret place, you know, that time that we want to and do, many of us, and especially myself, want to be able to spend time in the secret place of the Most High, um, but, you know, find it exceedingly difficult to do because of other things in our lives. And, um, and sometimes just because, you know, of, of just humanness, you know, our, our, the, the flesh that, as Paul put it, you know, over, you know, overtakes us, you know, in, in so many words. And Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We praise you for bringing us as, lo as far along as we have journeyed, as far along as we continue to journey and keep our hearts humble and contrite. Because Father, right now, what I see, and I, I wish it was right, but I'm 
certain in my heart that it is not correct. But what I'm seeing right now is an influx, um, a, an amazing, highly noteworthy surge of uh, various believers out there. Many of them have big microphones and have large audiences, and word travels fast, uh, that are saying that they feel powerfully that the rapture is going to happen any second. I've been living for ele- you know, the last 11 years focused 100% on our departure and virtually every part of that which I preach, teach, talk about, uh, have spoken about, uh, it's always going to be in regard to our imminent departure, the barley harvest and hope and my hope, my, my deep, deep, heartfelt hope in Jesus' name that there will be not one person who has ever listened to this program for any length of time that would miss the barley harvest. Um, And I just pray in Jesus' name, Father God, for each one of us that, you know, we don't fall into despair. We don't, you know, we hear, I'm not going to name names, but we hear groups, large groups, prophecies that are implying, you know, the words actually come right out and imply strongly that we're going to to be raptured very soon. Uh, Discussions on talk shows from, you know, very anointed believers, brothers and sisters in Christ that are saying the rapture is any second now kind of thing. And, And, but very little attention being placed on the very word of God, the understanding of Second Thessalonians 2, the understanding of what it means to not harm the oil or the wine at the end of the third seal, to all being disregarded because of the hunger that people have to get away from the evil that is seeding on this planet. And that is a feeling that I have stronger. I, I, I would submit that my feelings in regard to that are probably as strong as, if not stronger, than probably any believer in the world. Um, and, and the only reason I say that is because it, it has been a focus. It's all I've ever cared. I, but, but the problem that comes along with that, Father, and we need an anointing. We need a calm. We need a, a nepho. Really, that is the Greek word. We need to be uh, absolutely level-headed. Uh, the word in Greek is nepho. First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, Titus uh, two, verse two, First Peter one, uh, verse thirteen, and First Peter five, verse eight uh, is the Greek word nepho, which is you know it, it uses the word sober, but it really means level-headed. And we got to really, really work at that because. The disappointment, which I have seen in our fellow brothers and sisters over 11, 12 years of doing this work for you, Lord, you know, I, I, it's amazing. It is crushing. It is absolutely, utterly, emotionally, overwhelmingly crushing. There are very, I don't know of any, I've actually had deaths in my family that um, affected me less than believing with all of my heart that the rapture was imminent and finding out that it wasn't and go and and discovering that there was a whole nother humongous multi-year chapter of the journey that I faced and lord I got to say and I know that you know Psalm 139 that you know everything that we think everything that we feel uh certainly even before we feel it and, Father, it's crushing. It is one of the most devastating, crushing things. 
things, it's, it'll put you on your knees in tears, gushing, heaving tears. Some people don't mind it. It doesn't affect them that way. They love to think the rapture is going to be any, any moment now, it, it, tomorrow, next week. They live and breathe, and they rel- that's a realm of life that they enjoy, and they want to be in that place. But for for what appears to be a very large majority of believers that I have come to know personally and, and oftentimes, you know, real close father, it is devastating to have the body of Christ, especially with the electronic internetosphere communications web uh, and hearing so many opinions and belief systems, none of which are based in scripture, but all of which are based in feelings or things that they see happening around the world or whatever the case is. And, and it bubbles up into this big crescendo of us leaving any second now with no basis in the scripture whatsoever. And um, some even believe that there is no, that, that the scripture doesn't preclude or uh, give us any guidance associated with our departure time, which I don't agree with at all and have been very vocal about. Um, and um, and I, I know, Father, why the second letter of the Church of Thessalonica, the, the second letter, the reason why Paul wrote that, uh, I, I understand I praise you for that, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, as this n- newly discovered, to me anyway, to, it's, it's, I'm just beginning to, to get wind of it, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, for all, all, of the, all of our brothers and sisters out there, all of them, not to have to go through the devastating, crushing depression that strikes so many of us, that uh, is similar to what we had to go through in 2015 and 2016 after we had been told by prophets, people given visions, people given dreams. I would submit probably thousands to videos of believers, an untold number of guests, many of which it had been on very well-known uh, television programs, many of which were authors. And all in one accord, telling every one of us and getting us all super pumped up that Obama was going to be the last president, that there would be martial law, and that it would jettison us directly into the end times, that all of the things that T.D. Hale saw were going to come true, and they were on top of us. They were literally imminent, could happen any moment. We were all anticipating the end of our journey, the ultimately the very end of our journey, not without rocky roads, not without bumps in the road, not without a few bombs going off and a few scary things around us. But we were all strongly anticipating, planning on preaching, warning people everywhere, everywhere we knew, in the streets, in our churches, in the congregations, handing out cards, letting everyone know that our departure was imminent. And I mean within weeks only to have that entire, my goodness, half a decade of prophecies, dreams, visions, and uh, to, to just flop, to just pop like a balloon, humiliating so many people that were out there doing the best they could to work on behalf of the kingdom and to warn people and to try to get them ready, only to be utterly humiliated and play, put in a position that 
now those that they witness to will never listen to them again. I, my entire my entire neighborhood, <laughs> my entire neighborhood pretty much will never listen to another thing that I say again. Okay, praise God, and I just praise you, Father, for these this, this opportunity, and also for the sober-mindedness, the level-headedness, and the revelation of the Word that is Jesus. So when we read the Word, thank you, Lord. When we read the scripture and we understand it because we receive it and we don't have any preclusions, we don't have any predisposed belief systems. If we, if we have those, we're not going to receive it. If we've been taught something and we believe it and we embrace it, that's where, where we're going to stay. We're not going to grow. And it's okay. I, there's nothing wrong with embracing a belief. With, praise God we can all have diversity of beliefs and come together in Christ and love one another no matter what. But Father, what I'm asking right now, more than anything, is that as this bubble is growing bigger and bigger and bigger and the believers across the world, I've seen it so many times, so many times, where it just gets so big and people get so overwhelmed that it's the only thing they can think about. It's the only thing they want to talk about. They are so certain, so positive. And there's no scripture to base it on. It's just a feeling, which is fine. Praise God. But that those feelings have resulted in crushed, depressed, super sad, humiliating. I mean, it, it just it, it, it has been devastating for so many believers. And we've got to just do the best that we can, Father. And we're asking you for a touch a touch of level-headedness, um, a touch of sobriety, uh, emotional sobriety, to, to fall upon your people and help us all to be able to be okay, to be okay with being on the boat, to be okay with knowing that we ha- might have some more work to do. Knowing, you know, I, I just praise you for every opportunity, Lord, that I I've been given, and you've been way too merciful, way too generous to me, and I pray that that generosity can bubble over in my cup and just roll over from my cup and just fill me with love that I am able to, in a humble way, share ideas to keep everybody, to do the best that I possibly can to keep everybody even keel that we don't have becoming really crushed because when that happens, it's not a good thing. It's just, it's devastating on, it's, it breaks up families. It causes division. It causes division amongst the brethren, which is, which is an awful thing to happen. It's something that you call an abomination, Father, in Proverbs 6, 16, 17, you know, 6, 16 and 17. I have to look it up, but it's, you know, uh, it's right there. It says causing division amongst the brethren. There's just so many unfortunate side effects that can occur, don't always occur, but can occur as a result of the rapture bubbles that we've seen happen so, 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 so many times over, wow, since like 2009. And there's probably hundreds and hundreds of them that have occurred prior to that that I'm utterly unaware of. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus for that anointing that's like, allow it to fall upon the body of Christ like a gentle like a gentle October snow with those really big 
awesome snowflakes that just are just you just want to go outside and just swirl around and be in the midst of the glory of God as they're falling. Let that let that anointing of calm, level headedness and being okay. Just being okay and feeling blessed, having joy in our hearts in the midst of the cesspool of ugly that we ha- or have no choice but to be a part of. We're stuck here. We have no way to escape it. We, we have nothing to look forward to but, but saving souls, praying, our, uh, praying so hard, so fervently for the lost and so continuously that, that that's a wonderful, awesome a blessing that each one of us have now that we can, I don't want to use the word to capitalize on, but, but essentially, really, the connotation is, is, is accurate in the sense that what we're doing is serving you through our prayer. And to realize what an amazing anointing, what a wonderful blessing it is. To even be alive, that on you know, because what we oftentimes don't realize, so 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 very often don't realize, is that the time that we spend with you in prayer is probably the most important time of our entire eternity while we are here on this planet, while we are here in this form as humans. As a royal priesthood, your own special people, a holy nation, the time that we have been given here is a – words simply cannot describe what, how humongous that gift actually is. We are so desperately hungry to come home that we miss how vitally – crucially important it is to capitalize on the time that we have here on this earth now because we don't realize sometimes we forget amidst our journey and the frustrations associated with the journey and the trials and the tribulations etc we forget that every moment we spend in service to you even if it's which i believe is the most important of all through prayer witnessing, touching other people's lives, doing good, giving to people that need help, even if they're unbelievers. All these things are, if we only knew, Father, and I pray that you will anoint people supernaturally to help them to understand this. If they only knew that, I would, you know, I guess I'll just take a shot at it. 15 minutes of time on our knees, Praying for the lost is probably worth a thousand times rewards in heaven because everything that we do here on this earth, this is like a a super high-speed crash course for all of eternity for each one of us. And, uh, And what a blessing it is to be alive. Because now more than ever before, the advancement of our kingdom, that of our Lord Jesus Christ, is utterly dependent more than ever before on the prayers of the saints for the lost, for each other. 
And it's our determination, our perseverance, and our prayers, our continuous looking for, spiritually looking for opportunities to be able to touch people's lives with the abundance that you have blessed us with. Whether that be the ability and the understanding of how to pray and putting the effort in plus, the, or, or, or maybe it's because we have a job and we have a little bit left over or whatever. Even if it's a widow's mite to be able to give to somebody who doesn't have enough money to buy food. And as things get worse and worse and worse, what a great, how much greater is that blessing that we're able to give? that we're able to touch, that we're able to help, that we're able to do things that are wonderful and mention, just to make mention of the very, the very name of the Lord Jesus to the people that are hurting, who could be utterly unbelievers. And honestly, Lord, Father, we praise you because now, nowadays it's the unbelievers who receive the, the idea of this being, these days being biblical days better than the people who are in the church. It's easier to witness to the unbelievers today than it is to witness to the people in the church. And so many of us take the easy road. None of us want to talk to unbelievers. We all want to go in and tell everybody sitting in the pews what we think that we've learned because it's the easy path. We just figure we're not going to get beat up and kicked into the street or whatever. Because, you know, whatever. But, but, but we'll be ostracized. We, no one will want to talk to us. We'll be seen as and, – and, and then we go out and we have a conversation. We're sitting in an airport. We strike up a conversation with somebody, and then we realize this person may not even be a believer, but they are more aware of the end times events that are happening than any believer we've ever met. If that isn't the most unbelievable opportunity that our Heavenly Father God, you, Lord Jesus, have given us, yet we miss, we miss it. If we could just Embrace it. Embrace where we are. Be excited. I'm not saying not to be excited. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We all want to remain excited. We all want to remain motivated. But at the same time, Father, we just pray that you will anoint us and touch us in whatever way is necessary to stay level-headed, to stay calm, relaxed, continue to read the Bible and to understand the things that we need to understand to be able to endure to the day of our departure. No matter what it is that people are saying out there. Because if we allow, if we get ourselves caught up in that, we, we lose track. We miss. We're so busy watching for that escape, that event, that moment where, where people are walking right past us that are going to end up in hell if we don't say something to them. But we're so on leaving that we missed the opportunity to bring more people into that boat, which is the, it is the greatest calling of brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so amazing the very term evangelical Christianity even exists. Yet how many are actually evangelizing? Pretty much hardly any of them. 
And we just praise you, Father, for the opportunity that you have given us in these very deep, deep end times. And when I say deep, I mean we are at the end of the end of the end. There's no doubt about it. And we're very close. But there's just a handful of things that have to happen, and they could take a little while before they do. Praise you for keeping us on the edge of our seats. We especially praise you for helping us to understand how important it is that we stay busy about the Father's business. And we especially understand through the testimonies, so many, hundreds of testimonies of people that have been taken to heaven, not all you know, of them spoke in, about this one particular topic, but several have, that what we do on the earth today means everything for where we land in eternity. That kingdom, that hierarchy, that establishment of uh, princes, I'm sorry, uh, 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 kings and priests in the ruling class with Jesus Christ over all of eternity, where you land when you arrive, determined by the things that you do here on earth now. So the opportunity to, it's an accelerated program. We're in the, the, the accelerated training program is right here on earth. It is presented to us as a glorious, merciful thing by our Father. No matter how bad we dork up, he's still going to forgive us. We can still get it back together. We can brush ourselves off, and we can continue the journey. And, 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 and when we do what God has asked us to do, It can be so simple, prayer, spiritual warfare, so simple, helping somebody. They can't fill their tank, fill their tank for them. So many opportunities we've been given. And oh my, I think one of the most saddest things that we're going to experience in in heaven is real. I I agree with Chuck Misler on this. Thank you, Jesus, is is. Realizing what we could have done, but we didn't do. I absolutely agree with Chuck Misler on that. I believe that he nailed it. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will pour out, like a, again, like a soft October snow and a special anointing on each and every one of the believers out there that are embracing, as I have so many times, this idea that due to the tumultuous events that are occurring across the world right now, that it is some type of a marker for a very, very imminent rapture event. And I feel passionately that that is definitely, it's an indicator that we're getting closer, but it is not that we still got stuff we have to go through and they are biblical things and i just praise your holy name and i thank you lord jesus i praise you for that anointing we need that anointing we need to stay nepho we need to stay level-headed we need to stay calm we need to not get ourselves so overwhelmed with excitement which is so easy to do i just praise you father for the opportunity i praise you father for the for the wow Oh my gosh, when you, when you have the revelation, when you truly have the revelation of how, oh my gosh, it's just, you, you can't even put it into words. The revelation of understanding that to you, Father, to you, Lord Jesus, 
what we do on the earth right now is quadrillions of times more important than our focusing on the escape. But that's very, very hard for us to, to grasp. We, it's hard to embrace because we're, we're, we've run out of energy. <laughs> we don't want to be a part of this ugly anymore. We know too much. We see the evil. And we've hit an impasse in our ability to be able to communicate with some people. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that 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 supernatural peace, which passes all understanding, will fall upon all of our hearts and minds and prepare us for the possibility that we could be here a little bit longer. And that all of these other brothers and sisters of ours out there that are talking rapture, 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 it's, it's a cycle. It happens all the time. It's not anything new. I so wish, Father, that there was some way I could impart, oh, Lord Jesus, if there was some way I could just impart, maybe even do a show where I just read hundreds of prophecies that I've collected over uh, 10 years of time, all of them saying rapture is imminent, rapture is imminent. The times that I've had guests on the radio show that have been taken to heaven that have you know, literally bawled and cried publicly because they told people that the rapture was going to happen two weeks and it didn't. And then they're like, I'm a false prophet. Oh, God, help me, Lord Jesus. Yeah, and it's just it, it happens over and over and over and over again. It never stops. It's a cycle. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Help us to be able to stay rooted in the mission. Help us to be able to stay rooted and focused in what it is we are here to do. And whatever happens, Father, no matter what, if we just knew that if we were busy about the Father's business, if we were busy about the things that we were commissioned to do, really, I mean, oh, praise you, Jesus. It, it's just so amazing. And, Father, I just want to thank you. I just want to praise you for it. I want to thank you for all this. I want to thank you for this journey. I want to thank you for helping people to become more level-headed. I want to thank you, Father, for not allowing people to fall into the pit of despair, humility, and crushing depression that I've seen happen to people so many times as these various rapture bubbles bubble up for lack of a better term. I just give you all the praise and glory, Father. Thank you so much for this journey. Thank you so much for the revelations. Thank you so much, Father, for every opportunity that we have to be able to spend serving you. You're an awesome, awesome, awesome Father that we don't deserve any, any, we don't deserve you. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it. And yes, we, many of us will remain dogmatic about the rapture happening tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day, then that's okay. I just pray in Jesus' name that there aren't victims, emotional victims that are associated with that, as I've seen so many times in the past.
Praise your name. Tonight is May the 27th of 2022, the 26th of Liar, 5782. Uh, today is Omer. So it's Omer number 41. Uh, and that's uh, cool because that's the gathering of the barley. And, of course, uh, bringing us directly into Shavuot. Um, I've given my testimony, I don't even know how many times. It's, it's an unbelievable amount of times probably by now, about the um, supernatural Shavuot um, letter that was given to me by the Lord um, uh, and and all the associated impossible first watch, second watch, third watch, and, and you know, the miracles that happened one right after the other to confirm it for me, which were, were a powerful blessing. And um, and I just thank you, Lord. We praise you for this day. And together tonight, we light the Sabbath candles. I light like to light three: one for the Father. I'm lighting them right now. These are brand new ones, so sometimes they take a little while. Father and the Son. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise you, Father. The Hebrew Kaddish. Aruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Borei Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'ratzavanu Vishabat kod shobeya vauv ratzon in chilanu zikaron le mate vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikrae kodesh zechelitziat. Mitzrayim Beava uvratzon himchaltanu. Baruch atadonai mekadesh hashabah. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes, sin that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
All right, real real quick, I'm just going to share this. Don't want to believe it, and that's all right. That's totally praise Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, it, I'm not going to take it personally, but I do want to share this just a little bit. Um, I won't dwell on it for long, but I, but I feel kind of like obligated to share it because of the new bubble surge that we have going on right now. And, you know, the rapture any second, the rapture any second, the rapture can happen without anything else. In other words, there's this idea out there that the rapture can happen with that the Bible doesn't give us any inkling, not a not a not a, not the teentiest weentiest little bitty idea of when, you know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't provide us. It, in other words, it's the concept that is often taught in the pre-trib rapture belief system, known as imminence. In fact, there are entire you can get entire DVDs from experts on stuff like this, and I do hold up my two fingers and do the quotes, you know, quote experts, quote, you know, that kind of thing. So, if when a person reads the the scripture, there's it's important sometimes, not always, but it's important sometimes to have an understanding of why certain things were written. So that's where um, expositions, Bible expositions, expositions. Uh, uh, commentaries, um, dictionaries, historical um, uh, accounts, um, you know, the Josephus books. There's just so, my goodness, there's incredible libraries of information that are out there. And, and a lot of times it's taught well, okay, and, and, and that's – and praise Jesus for that because we – it, it it becomes an additive effect on our walk, on each of our walks. Now, in some cases, we'll be taught something like pre-trib, like I did. I mean, I was raised no trip. I was raised no rapture at all um, by a really smart guy, and um, he had all the reasons why. Uh, and he showed the, the advanced uh, boy. I mean, this 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 preacher was good. He was real real good. In fact, they they would pay all. Uh, you know, for everything, for food, flights, hotel, everything. They'd fly him to Israel, fly him to South America to do all kinds of teachings. Um, he was highly controversial, but uh, he basically – and then he would say, after you, after you would do like an hour and a half teaching on why there is no not going to be a rapture, then he would say, but if I'm wrong, I'll see you on the way up. Which was kind of similar to how Chuck Misler used to teach. He would say, "This is what I believe." This, that, and the other thing. However, you know, don't believe me. Do your own kind of a homework. In other words, the implication was, I'm just presenting what I think. Be a good Berean. Search a scripture daily to see if it is so. All right. Well, in my very, some people would consider it to be a pretty long journey with an awful lot of study. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I will say that my journey is very unique compared to anybody that I have ever met. I've never met that and most people that if they if they had gone through some of the things that I had gone through or all of them, they probably would be on special medications. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm not saying I probably, you know, I'm just, you know, like I joke, I I say tongue in cheek, praise God, that if I had, if I wrote down everything into a book of the things that have happened to me over the last, oh gosh, well ten years, and I, you know, I would have to change names uh, to protect, you know, I just couldn't use the names for obvious reasons because of the 
gravity of what was being discussed. But it it would be it would be macabre, demonic attacks, attempts on my life. Um, Situations where I should have lost my job but didn't because it was a miracle that occurred right in the middle of the conversation. Things that I told the truth because I knew that if I lied, I was doomed. So because all liars, you know, as it says in the Revelation, it says liars will be cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna. Times where I spent hours and hours and in some times it was years. I joke. I am not joking. you. I am not exaggerating in the tiniest little bit. No, 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 no. I promise. I promise. There have been times where I spent years repetitively asking, you know, James 1.5, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives it all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given them. But sometimes I wouldn't get the answer for until for like years. But when I did get the answer, it was so obvious. And I looked at the words and I thought to myself, how did I not see that? How, how could I have read that so many times and not have seen it? Oh, and I would just bawl because I knew that God handed it to me on a silver platter. He answered my prayer. And so those events are many for me. But, you, but you know, here's the thing. I get it. If I'm listening to somebody else give me their testimony, that's their testimony. They're the ones who went through that. They're the ones who went to heaven. They're the ones who talked to Jesus. But one of the things that I've seen that has been very consistent is that the belief systems of the believers that have been blessed by being taken to heaven, when they come back to earth, are, um, wow, night and day. It's amazing. Some of them believe this, some of them believe that. It's not like when they were taken to heaven, there was this download epiphany of all things truth. As a matter of fact, I can name names of probably about 10 very, very, some have been on the radio show, very, very well-known Jim Baker show type, uh, you know, uh, very well-known people uh, that, uh, that have been, like I said, several of which have been on this program, and you put them in a room together, and they, they disagree. And And the other thing about it is they're claiming that they're meeting with Jesus on a regular basis, but then they come back to earth and, or they claim, you know, you, let's just assume that they do come back to earth and that they were meeting with Jesus. Let's pretend just for a moment that they were. Why is the information that they're putting out not happening? Isn't Jesus God? Does that make them a false prophet? Or is it more likely that they're hearing from seducing spirits or something like that, and it seems like Jesus, but maybe, and it doesn't mean that they're bad or naughty at all. It doesn't mean they have any sin in their lives. It means none of that necessarily. It could indicate that there's some of that going on, but we don't know that. We definitely don't want to pass any judgment. All we are asked to do in First Corinthians 14 and 15 is we're asked to judge the prophecies, not the prophets. And we're asked not to despise the prophets. Now, why would Paul say not to despise the prophets? Why would he say that? What would be the point of him even bringing it up at all? Because of what we're seeing happening today. And obviously they were having it happen back then as well. And it happens in many, many stories in the Old Testament, which is where David Wilkerson comes out with his awesome teaching about pillow prophets. So you can type David Wilkerson pillow prophets and read his teaching. It'll pop right up in your search engine and read his teaching about it. It's very good. 
And it, it, it's, you know, and, and it goes hand in, uh, it, there's so many stories, the Micaiah vision, you know, in First Kings 22, 19, where, hey, I will go down and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And our father says, you will and you will be successful. Well, there's proof positive right there in those words that prophets sometimes can be used even to the advantage of our heavenly father by having seducing spirits come down upon uh, uh, upon the prophets. They would not prophesy accurately. doesn't mean that they were necessarily false prophets. It means that seducing spirits were allowed to influence them. But the mission of God was being accomplished as a result of it. I know that's hard to accept, but it is right there in your Bible. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. So obviously, if Paul's going to tell us not to despise the prophets, then we would, he would only do that if we had a really good reason to despise them. Otherwise, why say it at all? So when you've been told something over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and a lot of people have really bad memories. I have been blessed with an incredible memory. I don't think there's an elephant between here and Jupiter that has one-upsmanship on memory, you know, on me. And that can be good and bad, because if you have trauma in your life, you remember things. And unfortunately, you remember them in dramatic detail. And that is not a good thing. But anyway, so, um, and you have to fight it. You have to, it, anyway. So, but here's the thing. So, we're, part of this journey that we're on right now is having priorities and putting our priorities in proper order and being able to back things with the Bible. Because if we're just out there willy-nilly listening to people chitter-chatter, chitter-chatter on radio shows, this, that, and the other thing, hey, they're popular. Yeah, you know, I, if, if I had a dollar for every popular person that we've had on this program that has written multiple books that were flat-out incorrect, but, th- but you know, at the time, we didn't know it. And you learn things over years of time, and the Lord shows you more and shows you more and shows you more, little by little. Sometimes you, you're praying for years, like I have, for certain things to be shown to me. And believe me, I, I figure I probably got an Encyclopedia Britannica more stuff I need to learn. And um, But I'm not really sure, really, at this point, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but at this point... I have such a difficult time being able to get through to people with the things that I do know that I know that I know that I know that God has shown me because they're so far out that I wonder how much value there would be for me because I I, I became pretty good friends with uh, Dr. Um, Jerry Lee, and he used to – boy, you get this guy. You pull this guy's strings, and you get him on the telephone. Let me tell you something. You're talking – you better have four hours. And that's on a, that's that's a short discussion with this guy. Now he's gone to heaven since. But the conversations that I've had with Jerry Lee were so mind bending and explosive. I mean, your mind would blow up because they were so advanced, and there was no doubt. I mean, for example, just I got to share this with you, okay? Doctor Jerry Lee, who was a physicist and also Hebrew scholar, knew his Bible better than any buddy I have ever met in my life. And he was able to see, and he could teach it to you. He could teach it to you. He could show you exactly how to parse the Hebrew so that you would understand that this is really talking about something very, very different than what most people believe it's talking about. 
He he knew where all the scriptures that that, that were associated with he boy he knew he knew for example because of his advanced abilities with Hebrew and Greek and Bible studies, and he he read every single book of the Apocrypha, every single book of the Pseudo-Epigrapha. He studied every single one of them. He correlated all of the information. He knew what what was a little bit off and what was dead on. Uh, this man was an amazing an amazing blessing, and I I'm sad that I can't talk to him anymore. But just just to give you an idea, this is the kind of stuff that I've been exposed to. Thank you, Jesus, over eleven years. And some people just say, he you're you're a stark raving lunatic for even believing any of that. And that's fine. If I don't do what God has asked me to do, it says it says in Luke 12, it says to him who much has been given more, more will be required. You know, I'm, I'm probably not saying that exactly right, but it's, that's the essence of what the scripture says. It's Luke 12, 47, 48, essentially. So I have a duty to share the stuff. Now, I don't have to, I, I can. But here's the thing. How much is going to be of value to somebody? that's where it's like after you come to a certain place in your walk and your understanding and you've sought out certain key things, and then you realize during that journey you're trying to help other people. You're trying to share that information with them to their benefit, to help them in their walk. So because I want everyone in – oh, if you could only be in my heart, if you could only feel my feelings – and understand the number one – I mean, I'm overwhelmed with hungry, a hunger. It just overwhelms me with a desire to help other people. I can't explain it. it as a matter of fact, it's almost – it scares me a little bit because I'm the type of person that if I, if I don't temper myself, I will give away everything I have to other people to help them, and I'll be sitting on a street corner going, uh, hey – I'm homeless. Now what do I do? Because that's just what's baked into me. Uh, you can say that's Jesus in me. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But but we're told in the books of Proverbs and other places in the Bible that we need to balance things out. We have to be, be good, you know, jurisprudence. We're supposed to, you know, uh, be good stewards. And, and, and there's all kinds of Proverbs and stuff that explain these things, you know, uh, to us and how, and these, it's guidance, you know, it's not extremes, it's balance. Okay. But the key to, to what I'm trying to convey is, for example, J- Dr. Jerry Lee, he was taken to the to, to the planet Arcturus. Now, granted, there is a star called Arcturus, but there's also a planet in the star system of Arcturus. Okay, and uh, and that's why it says in the Book of Job, "Can you guide the sons of Arcturus?" Well, J- Jerry Lee met these people. Okay, I'm just letting you know. Now, I was not the only one that, you know, we're friends with Jerry, Dr. Jerry, and, uh, you know, and we used to share notes after we talked to him sometimes. Now, a lot of times it was just one-on-one, and other times it was, but we would, you know, but, it, 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 you know, and there were certain things that we, there were a little bit hard to accept that he would say he saw and was a part of, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it could have just been that he didn't understand what it was he was seeing at that moment in time. I, who knows? But the very idea that you know you're having a conversation with a man who you know loves the Lord with all of his heart. He's an incredible Bible scholar. He has had so many supernatural things. But the thing is, here, my point is this: he was so advanced, and there's I, I 
have a book behind me uh, on my shelf here that he wrote um, uh, that I can't think of the title of and I don't want to take the time to hunt for. But basically, it's you know something about the Genesis Chronicles or the period of uh, – it was speaking about the time before Genesis, or before creation. But it's so advanced, and it's unbelievable. And I realized that he he was so advanced in his understanding because of what the Lord had imparted supernaturally to him in his life journey. That what he shared went over the heads of everybody, not everybody, but the vast majority of folks. It went, we're not talking about a little bit over their head. We're talking about like, you know, you're looking up and there's Haley's Comet going through this, you know, that far over your head. My head. I mean, I, I you know, I, the manifest something. I, I, it's driving me nuts now. I, it makes me want to turn around and start rifling through my books to find it. Amazing revelations. And the funny thing about it is, I would read parts of the book that I could understand, and I would go back to the Holy Bible. I would look at it, and I would say, "My goodness gracious, wow, we!" I would look at what he, what the Lord had imparted upon him, talking about the locust that they were created by the convoluted and evil side. He was referring to Lucifer, uh, the locust creatures that come flying out of the sky, not out of the pit, out of the sky. You have to read the words carefully because the smoke is in the sky now, and that's where they come through. They come through the smoke, which is in the sky, which means they're aliens. They're not coming out of some center earth or whatever. People don't read their Bible carefully enough. But so there is a what's known as a point of diminishing returns. In other words, I could seek all knowledge. I could just close myself off, and, and I have. Usually, but and and it's been very beneficial for a lot of things. But there comes a, a there's a point of diminishing returns. If if what you're learning is so advanced that it doesn't benefit the body of Christ because they can't comprehend it, they don't understand it, and they just think you're a nut. When it, when it gets to that place, now some things we can talk about pretty much openly because the, you know, back in 2009, if you talked about shape shifting reptilians and and you know and and you know the the Congress being overtaken with them and churches being overtaken with them and the Nakash and all that kind of stuff, it was still stuff that people really couldn't grasp. And then you had the really you know advanced works of like Dr. Michael Heiser, uh, you know, and and his white paper on the on the Nakash, the Shining Ones, in Genesis three, and that was a blessing because then you could hold it up, you could you know help people to say, oh my gosh, it really is in the Bible. And then you have the incredible works of Brother Zen Garcia and his digging in through the Apocrypha and stuff and finding the Testament of Amaran, uh, the uh, Testament of Reuben, which is very, I mean, it's flat out right in your face. It tells you about shape-shifting reptilians are on earth. We're here to lord it over them, over men, you know, and all this kind of creepy weirdness. I mean, it's all there. It's all there. The, the movie They Live, <laughs> I mean, it's prophetic. But that kind of stuff is now becoming relatively commonplace. I know that's very – I mean, when you think about the overall, like, 80% of the church that is out there, how about 95, 98% of the church? If you walked into 98% of the churches of this world, you sat down with a group of believers uh, during your potluck macaroni and cheese dinner thing that you're having, uh, and you started talking about shape-shifting reptilians, they would 
slowly start to slide their chair back. A couple of them might bravely sneak up behind you to lay their hands on you to try to cast demons out. So as a general rule, but nevertheless, nowadays, it is not it's a, it's a conversation that can be had on a podcast, on a radio program, or whatever the case is, that there's enough released public information from enough Bible scholars, enough books written about the subject, and enough text that we can point to from the Nagamati Codices, the whole deal. We can, we can show people that this is biblical. Okay, and then it kind of softens them up a little bit. So it is, but, but that's beside the point. When you start talking about visiting Arcturus, meeting the sons of Arcturus, understanding that these things are not just some sort of strange, anomalous, uh, I don't know, uh, what would you call them, uh, symbolic statements from our Father, but these were literal. And to have actually met someone who was there. So, so, But there is a diminishing point of returns where if you're here to serve God, and part of your serving God is to help others, which is ought to be all of our goals, right? That's the Great Commission, right? I mean, it's you know, preach the gospel to every living creature. Okay, fine, but there's you know, doesn't mean that we all have to be sons of thunder and stand on some rock down, you know, uh, uh, in the square of Hallstown, Pennsylvania, and you know, start shouting out. You know, all you're going to do is end up getting yourself arrested for not having a permit. You're not going to accomplish anything. It's the 21st century. Megaphones don't bring people to Jesus anymore. Not really. It might make them get them to take your tract, and they might be, you know, but as a general rule. Most of us can do more wonderful things for the kingdom of Jesus through prayer and doing good, kind things for people, blowing their mind with our gener- their mind with our generosity, especially nowadays. Those things are the things that will bring people to Christ. It, if you do it right and you let them know that this is a present from Jesus. You tell them, the Lord Jesus Christ has placed it upon my heart to buy your gas. And let me tell you, that will change that person's eternity. Praise God. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and it's okay. And I'm going to, we're going to just move on with the prayer vigil, as we always do. But sometimes I just feel something, hap- something happens, and then I feel like hyper-led. Hyper-led where I can't control, I, you know, I could like turn away from this and not talk about it, but then I would, I'd be like afraid because I fear God. And I have to believe in my heart through faith that when I feel hyper led to share something, that there's a reason for it. I don't know what that reason is. I don't know if somebody's going to listen to this prayer vigil as a podcast three or four months from now, a year from now, and it might be just the words they needed to hear. I don't know. All I know is that I feel hyper-led. And it definitely is triggered to some extent through the um, what I'm seeing is a rapture bubble that's occurring. This is one of the many that have happened time and time and time and time again. And there's a lot of believers out there, uh, you know, that will um, – and you'll notice that if you ever watch, you know, I, I know that this program doesn't exist anymore, but it's 
one of the more popular programs uh, in Christianity used to be, you know, prophecy in the news. And and any time they would be talking about Jesus coming, they would always kind of hold up their hand and go, hey, hey, I'm not date setting here. I'm not date setting. But so if you listen to Tom Horn or any of those folks on these different shows, they would they would give you this huge argument of amazing things and you would be like, oh my gosh, look at all that stuff. And you could go and confirm it. You could look it up on the internet and you'd piece it all together like they did from their books. And they, and But they would hold up their hands and say, I'm not setting any dates. It's a good thing they do, that they do that. But anyway, this idea that it's there isn't guidance in our scripture is not true. For example, most a lot of guess a lot of people don't know this, and this shocks me because it's fundamental. When I use the term fundamental, it's basic stuff. And I know that the vast majority of churchianity, you know, whatever out there, don't you know. They, they, it's just amazing. I've actually had people email me and say things like, well, my pastor teaches that the fo- foolish versions are unbelievers, and uh, they're all going to hell. And all the rest of us are wise virgins, and we're going to get raptured. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm having a, a momentary vision of empty shelves in New York City with baby formula. You know, it's like Paul talking about milk and meat and all that. I'm like thinking, no way. That is so completely, incredibly, irresponsibly incorrect. So anyway, um, a lot of people, I guess, don't know, or maybe, I don't know, but they don't know that any of the backstory associated with the Thessalonican church and it isn't just them, it's, it was also the Church of Corinth. So it's, if you know it in advance, then what happens is when you start reading it, you start seeing it sprinkled everywhere around in the Scripture, if you're reading the Scripture at all. But if you're just grasping at straws and listening to whatever anybody says on such and such a show, okay, but you're going to get you, – you, you're not going to know that – you're not going to get it. You're just going to get whipped up into the riptide of, whoa, this is great. We're getting so close. Hallelujah. Waking up all happy, only to find out that two, three, four years in the midst of some of the most horrible things you might imagine you would ever see, you're still here. I hope not, but I'm just saying. The possibility, actually, I should call it not a possibility. I should call it a likelihood that we're going to be here for a little while. Not that long. Matter of fact, I would submit that after, if we make it to 2024 and there is a Trump surge and all those things and a lot of the prophecies, dreams, and visions and stuff do occur, and all of the um, types and shadows that are associated with Bill Gates calling uh, Trump, uh, you know, the, the, the next JFK, and uh, Trump, uh, you know, having his little, you know, pan, pre-pandemic or, you know, beginning of the pandemic uh, humongous talk on all the TV stations, uh, sitting in front of the Lincoln Memorial, that, 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 those are shadows of things to come. And they line up with, with prophecy, dreams, and visions of people, not only that we've had on the show, but I'm sure possibly dozens, if not hundreds of dozens of other people that are out there. 
So the vast majority, if you were to do an analysis of all of the Obama is the Antichrist and um, and the stuff that we used to talk to prior to tra- talk about prior to 2015, if you were to do an analysis all of all of the prophecies, dreams, and visions about Obama and then the new ones that bubbled up in the midst of the Trumpianity period, which by the way hasn't gone away yet. Um, and are still happening. When you take that body of information and you look at the, the ones that maybe slightly overstep their bounds a little bit and, you know, powerfully stated that there will be no other president after Obama. Obama's the last one. And, you know, without any regard to the prayers of the saints, without any regard to God calling audibles, without any regard to our Heavenly Father relenting, changing his mind, it was just, there's only a tiny percentage, really, of the total body of prophecies, dreams, and visions that we've been monitoring, and many of whom we've brought on the program over the last 10 years, maybe more, Um when you look at that entire – if you just catalog them and put them – you printed the title of each one and the name of the person, and you typed them out on a couple of white pages, and you just looked at them and you, you, you circled the ones that, were, that went a little too far, that you could say definitely did not come true, it would still be a very small percentage of the overall grand total, probably less than 20%, really. So that indicates that – the rest of them are still in play. Okay. Doesn't mean that they're de- all definitely going to go- come true. It just means that they're still in play. They're queued up. They're teed up. And they might happen. Now, the back the backstory of the Church of Thessalonica is essentially they were pretty pumped up about Jesus coming. They were they were just like us today. Imagine that. Imagine, wow, like 2,000 years ago? You know, um, and, you know, there's Paul. He's standing right there in the midst of them. You know, never mind the words that Peter had said, you know, there will come a time when this, that, and the other thing, and the itchy ears and all that kind of stuff. You know, and no, 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 and whether they had heard it or not. See, that's another thing. A lot of times people don't realize that folks didn't hear. You know, we all assume they were all walking around with a New Testament Bible in their hands. That's not the case. So what Paul said in his letters to the Church of Corinth were not necessarily in the hands of those who were at the Church of Thessalonica. You see what I'm saying? So, so we are blessed by having a pretty good collection of the letters, arguably, that are the most important, although I think there's a lot of Apocrypha that is exceedingly important as well. But and what we don't realize is the decades and decades and decades of time between when these various books were written. You can actually look up on the Internet a chronology of when the various books, when they estimate the various books were written. There was a lot of time that went by uh, between when Paul wrote the second letter to the Church of Thessalonica and the book of Revelation was written. A lot of time. So that comes into play, too. 
we just hold our Bibles in our hands and we make assumptions. We're like, yeah, everybody had a New Testament back then. Sure they did. No, they didn't. They surely did not. So what happened with the Church of Thessalonica is that they were behaving very much like a lot of Christians are today. And I have. They were pumped up on Jesus coming back that they weren't living their lives. They weren't occupying. They weren't serving the Lord the way that the Lord wanted them to serve. They, they, they had lost their focus. They were, you know, flipping out that Jesus was coming soon. Absolutely losing it. Which, by the way, is tantamount to um, uh, what, you know, happened with a number of folks, uh, you know, in 2015 as we believed that 20% of incorrect or overstated prophetic words or dreams or visions, that Obama was the last president, martial law would be instituted, T.D. Hill's visions would come true immediately. Well, I still think they're going to come true, but just not then. And we, and that was that. We were done as far as we were concerned. It was like, tell as many people as you can, pass out as many business cards as you can, warn as many people as you can, and look like a horse's butt. <laughs> okay? And that's really kind of what happened. I mean, I know people that are wives, you know, uh, one person that's a wife of a pastor at a church that was going through the congregation, letting them all know that this is it. We're all leaving. Imagine her surprise. So, and that's probably just one in thousands of cases that this kind of stuff is happening. I, I, I there's, uh, I, I see things. There's another, and people are out there. I mean, there are prophets out there that are talking to people and talking to believers about a transfer of wealth. And of course, every poor believer out there that's scraping to get by is going, oh, there's a godly transfer of wealth. And I'm here to tell you, there is no godly transfer of wealth. It ain't going to happen. I don't care who's saying it. It's not going to happen. Things are just going to get worse from, from this day forward. No, there isn't going to be some gigantic Bitcoin thing that just ends up dumping millions of dollars into the hands of Christians. That's ridiculous. But there are people out there that believe it with all of their heart, and they're prophesying about it right now. This is why we must know our Bible. we got to know our Bible. We've got to know it more than – it's not just a matter of reading the words. It's, it's knowing it. You've got to know the backstory. You've got to know why did Paul write that letter. What was going on at the Church of Thessalonica? What, what caused him to do that? Why did he – what are these words here? Why, 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 why? We've got to know all that stuff. We've got to be familiar with it. Idea of a rapture for the innocent and for the children. Not in the Bible. But boy, there are a lot of people out there preaching about it, but it's not in the Bible. In fact, there are scriptures that clearly make it very clear that it's not going to happen. Very clear. Uh, Isaiah 13 makes it very clear. It actually says that these alien beings that are called to the earth to judge the people on the earth, which is part of the day of the Lord, is chopping children into pieces. Sorry, but that's what it says. 
And then you've got First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 14. It says, uh, you know, and I'm doing this all from memory, but it says that, 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 that the, you know, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. Um, otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they're holy. Well, what, what about the other children? They're not holy? Okay, so anyway, the backstory on the, on uh, the the uh, Thessalonican churches, they were losing it. They lost their nepho. They were no longer level-headed, quitting their jobs. Oh, and by the way, in my walk, 11 years of doing this radio program and being blessed by knowing, wow, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, many of which that write me, sometimes they write me for a while and they disappear. Sometimes they write me for a while, they disappear and come back. You know, it's just amazing. And it's a blessing. The Thessalonians lost it. They lost it. Paul wrote the primary reason one of the biggest, there were other things, but the biggest of all reason why Paul wrote that second letter was to stop the insanity, to give them, to anchor them, to get them to stop freaking out at, at every meteor they saw in the sky, whatever. Oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. All right. Yeah. And they're just running around, blah, 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 quitting their jobs, busybody, busybody, this, that, and the other thing. That's what they were doing. And so his purpose of writing a letter to the Thessalonican church was to Say to them, hey, guys, y'all are losing it, and I am going to give you some very strict guidelines to let you know what to look for so that you don't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, quit your job. Everybody's saying, let's go up on a mountain and, and, and wait for Jesus to come, as people have and unfortunately met with an unfortunate you know, but people get worked up. They quit their jobs. They sell their houses. They do all kinds of things. I'm not going to mention any names, but it's happened in my lifetime recently in the last 10 years. So that, what I'm about to read to you is, the, is part of the quintessential series of scriptures and chapters <clears throat> that make it abundantly clear that there's not going to be a rapture until certain things happen. And one of those things is not the building of the Solomon's Temple, because it ain't going to happen. That's a mistranslation of, of, uh, of uh, uh, Daniel you know, 9.27, around about there. It, it, there's, if, you read, if you have a proper Hebrew text, you can see that there were a gazillion assumptions that were made by those who did the translations. And there's lots of 9999s in the Strong's, which mean the words weren't there, but they had to fill in the blanks through assumptions. 
but that's kind of beside the point. I mean, that's there's wonderful teachings uh, that have been done. We brought many wonderful anointed guests on the show. Carl, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of his last name, and um, it's jumping past me at the moment. Uh, Pastor Carl Gallup has some absolutely unimpeachable, beautiful teachings on that, on the there's no indicator that there's got to be a Solomon's Temple whatsoever. It, you know, it, that and many, many other epiphanies that he had about the two witnesses, and he teaches about that, does a fabulous job. It's absolutely astonishing and right on the money. He didn't miss a trick. He Praise God for that anointing. All right, so let's just take a look. So Paul's trying to calm these people down because they're flipping out because the rapture is going to happen any second. It says right here, Now, brethren... Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Now, stop, please, in the name of Jesus. You have to stop and think. That's where we fail. And that's where our teachers fail. And that's where our 3995, learn everything about the rapture that you can ever learn about, fails. You have to stop. You have to think. You have to say, what is this saying and what is it implying? And why is it being said? Who, what, when, where, why, and how? And you've got to ask the tough questions. And you've got to do it carefully. Are you going to miss stuff? Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, stop. Right there it is. Our gathering together to him. Is there any place in the Bible that you are aware of where Jesus shows up on the earth and all the Christians say, oh, wow, there's Jesus. Never mind how big the planet is. Never mind how infinitesimally small Jesus would be in comparison to the planet. Never mind the fact that there's 8 plus billion people and 243 countries if you consider the island nations. So the only thing this can mean, which we know what it means, the gathering together to him is the rapture. This is not rocket science. So I'll even go to the interlinear Bible, which will reveal the Greek. And let's see here. Um, no, let's see here. First Corinthians fifteen forty nine. Hold on a second. Nope, nope. I, I it, it, it dorked. I made a boo boo. All right, hold on a second. Let me try this again. Thank you, Jesus. No, still bringing up the wrong one. So let me go ahead and type it in manually. Uh, second Thess 2, and we'll just start with 1. All right, okay. Move it up. Yeah, we beseech you now, brethren, by the coming, um, by the coming of our Lord, our Jesus Christ, and our gathering together unto him. All right. Let's see if we can see something here. Okay, so a complete collection, especially Christian meeting for worship, assembling, gathering together. Um, 
without going too far, I don't want to get too deep into it. I could do an uh, Englishman's concordance search. I could uh, do a multi- multiple lexicon analysis of the term gathering together. But really, when you think about it, it aligns with the concept of, you know, we will all be gathered together in the twinkling of an eye. It's, it's talking about the rapture. There's no doubt about it. It's not even arguable. I mean, any, I don't think anybody would... No, it's not. Really? So please help me. If that's not the rapture, then please help me to understand how this gathering to Jesus is going to happen across the entire world. Because there are members of the Bride of Christ all over the world. Somehow they have to be gathered. Now, when we know that this is the rapture, which we ought to, that is, if our brains are not too terribly hurt by slugging down fluoride and stuff, I don't know. But it's real, real obvious. It's not debatable. That's what it is. Okay. Paul warns them. He says, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or word or by letter, as if it was from us, as though the day of Christ had come. See, the, so now what do we know? We know that as far as the scripture is concerned, the words, the day of Christ, and the gathering together to Jesus, which is the rapture. Now, I know that there are multiple iterations of the rapture. I get that. But let's just call it the rapture for now, so we don't get distracted by the other stuff, which is great stuff, but... Let's focus. We know that the day of Christ and the gathering together moment is, you know, that rapture, those those are one and the same. So the day of Christ and the rapture, two different ways, the gathering together, the rapture, and the day of Christ are all one and the same. Then in verse 3, Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means that that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. All stop. Look, everybody in the whole world can say that the falling away has come. Okay? And they do. They look at the state of the world around. They look at the state of the church around them. And they're like, well, all right, the falling away has already happened. It's absolutely terrible. You know, they, 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 you know, how could I, I can see that? I, I can see somebody making that conclusion. I'm not going to get into a debate about the falling away. I will say this: I believe the falling away concept, the concept of churchianity falling away from Jesus Christ, is associated with the aliens. Because that is what the strong delusion is. I don't care what anybody says. I know as a fact that the strong delusion that God sends on this earth is the aliens. The fallen angelic beings that are going to come to this earth and tell everybody that they are our creators. That is the strong delusion. And that is what's going to cause the falling away. When churchianity sees alien beings in the sky, it is going to fry their minds so bad they're going to lose faith, question Christianity altogether, 
and there's going to be a falling away like ain't nobody ever seen before. It ain't going to have nothing to do with New Age in the church. It's not going to have nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, cross-dressers dancing in our libraries in front of our little children. It's not going to have – it's none of that. It isn't any of that. It's going to be much bigger. The problem is we think too small. We really do. We crunch God down into the teeniest, weeniest little thimble. Oh, well, there's no life out in the universe. We're the only pebbles on the beach. We're all that matters. That's what's in the Bible, and that's what I believe. There can't be anything more than what's in the Bible. No, that that is exactly the opposite. That is so utterly wrong. It's the other way around. So right here... You would you, so basically what this is saying. So let's just interpolate it. So Paul's standing in front of a bunch of people going, "Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming! Rapture! 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 Any second now! Rapture! Rapture! Rapture!" And, he, and, he, and, he, and then he goes, "Hey, concerning the rapture, guys, y'all need to chill out because the rapture is not going to happen until first there's a massive alien disclosure that causes people to doubt Jesus." And when that alien disclosure happens, the man of sin himself will be revealed, the son of perdition. And it goes on to allude about, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and is worshipped. And he sits, he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And everybody's like, well, that's the Solomon's temple right there. No. All the references that Jesus made and all of the apostles made all throughout the New Testament to the temple was always referring to a human body. The temple body. Showing himself that he is God. It goes on, and then he even goes on, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So this is the first time that he told them this stuff. And they, it didn't sink in. It didn't sink in. So now he's trying to be a little bit more blunt with them and get through to him. He says, and, and, now, and he goes on to say, and now you know what is restraining, restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness, lawlessness is already at work. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And there's a lot of philosophy about that. But at the bottom line, I just, he to me is just all things the kingdom. God is in control. Our prayers, the prayers of the saints, all of that stuff, that is what would be, will ultimately be taken away. And some people even say, and maybe they're right, that that taken away is associated with the gathering together to Jesus and the rapture. Because now you don't have the power and the prayer power of the saints anymore. All right, but then you go on to verse 8 and says, And then the lawless one will be revealed with whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth to destroy the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless is according to the works of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception amongst those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God sends them aliens. Hallelujah. How many people in the churches that are out there right now, just for grins and giggles, I'm going to just just to drive this point home. People just we don't think about the big picture. We got to think about the big picture. Otherwise, you're just going to miss it. Okay, so I'm going to type in here how many churches are in the U.S. 
United States. How about that? Let's just, for fun, praise God. All right. According to the National Congregation Study Survey, there are an estimated, listen to this, 380,000 churches in just the United States alone. 380,000. Now, just imagine all 380,000 of those folks or, or those church gatherings, anywhere from 50 to maybe, we'll say on the average 50 to 1,000, although there are some megachurches that are bigger, but they're not the rule. That's a lot of people. Imagine all those people standing outside of their churches in the parking lot and there was a massive alien invasion. How many, God, remember, God looks upon the heart. While they may not say anything, it's what is in their heart. And if they're looking up in a massive alien invasion, no matter how it comes to pass, I, that's irrelevant. How many of them at that moment in time question their faith? Because, oh, well, I didn't see that in the Bible. That must mean the Bible ain't true. And, 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 you know, and don't, don't even get me going on them coming, you know, and, and all the other things and telling everybody. And I don't know how it's all going to go down. None of us do. But they're going to. They will. The fallen angels will, in fact, tell the people of the earth that they are our creators. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of context and amazing things and probably, you know, I don't even want to get into all of the stuff that I hypothesize is highly likely to happen. And don't even get me going on the day of the Lord. That's a whole nother four hours of teaching. With aliens. But when you look at the, 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 the meaning of this chapter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and you understand why Paul wrote it, then you you have the necessary precursor events that have to happen prior to the gathering together. And what's really, really mind-bending about all this is that it aligns with prophecies, dreams, visions, and things that God has given us as glorious gifts from his people. What about that little 10-year-old boy who was taken up to heaven before he died uh, and, uh, you know, he was sick in the hospital and, everything, and he was taken to heaven and the Lord showed him, uh, you know, the alien invasion that was going to happen during World War III? Which, by the way, perfectly lines up with the day of the Lord because the great earthquake, uh, so you've got the force seal, which is essentially the really big kickoff for World War III. And then you have, right after that, you have the sixth seal um, where you have the great earthquake. The whole earth shakes. You've got a meteor that smashes into the earth and just devastates it. And that's the kickoff event for the, uh, the day of the Lord. 
And the day of the Lord is when God sends otherworldly beings from the, the ends of the heavens, the Shamayim, to the earth to render judgment upon the earth. And that is confirmed by Padre Pio back to the 1950s. There's even been God's Healer 7, uh, 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 you know, visions and prophecies that support it. I have them. I've reprinted them on Tribulation Now uh, years and years and years ago. That, that's, I mean, it, it, there's so many confirmations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of confirmations of all these things. And when you line them up to the Bible, which very few people do, they just go, oh, wow, they're talking about aliens. But what they don't do is they don't take the time to be a good Berean and to go through the Bible and find out where these references to aliens are, like Isaiah 13 and Joel 2, and understand it's the day of the Lord. And they don't take the time to read the Padre Pio visions and see that he's talking about evil angels coming to the earth and that they're going to you know, wreak havoc and kill you know, the unrighteous. They don't connect all the dots. They don't put together the storyline. And, and they don't get the epiphany. They don't, it, it, it doesn't hit them that the strong delusion is all about aliens. It's what causes the falling away. All this other blah, 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 falling away has been happening now for 40 years. Look at all the time. Forget that noise. This is very, very specific stuff. And we need to be aware of these things. By the way, is it just a coincidence that this just happens to line up perfectly with David Doetry's amazing vision from 1996? After praying for, what, 10 years on his knees in tears to God to show him a vision of the rapture. And it gets kicked off by a large, huge mothership, spherical, copper-shaped, Death Star thing, which, by the way, happens to sculptures all over the world, outside the Vatican Library, outside the United Nations, and all kinds of different government uh, facilities, this giant mechanical-looking copper ball thing. That is a Death Star. Why do we have to miss all this? Why can't we stitch it together and say, oh, I get it. Because we heard a couple of folks on some radio show going, oh, I think the rapture's going to happen any second now. Or a prophecy came out. I mean, like I said, if, I mean, you know, tongue in cheek, but if I had a dollar for every single time one of my favorite, you know, prophets said, you know, Jiminy Crickets, I would be on a beautiful yacht outside of St. Martin, you know, using like a huge, uh, uh, maybe Starlink, you know, to, to do the Internet. But the point is, it, it, it is here. This is just one example of others, but the biggest one, in my opinion. It's one of the biggest. And it's so indisputable. It's so obvious simply because when you know the backstory, they're all thinking Jesus is going to show up. They all think they're going to get raptured any second now. And Paul's going, yo, chill. We're not going to be gathered together with Jesus, which, of course, can only happen through the rapture, until these other things happen. Which means the concept of imminence, meaning that it could happen at any time without you knowing it, is shot down like a plane over the Ukraine. But, I, you know, it, it, it's right there. It's in the Bible. It's indisputable. It's clear as a bell. So what do we know? <laughs> well, I just told you. Praise God. 
if you can receive it. But a lot of people can't. You know? I don't... It it doesn't... You know, my biggest concern emotionally is what I've seen happen to believers who get sucked up into the riptide. They don't understand what the Bible tells us. Never mind. Look, look, look. Think about this, really. Just a second. One more thing. Now, remember, we're talking about 30, 40 plus years of be, maybe more years between the writing of the book of, uh, or, or you know, the, the penning of the, you know, uh, I should say the assembling as part of a single book because the individual letters were individual letters, the epistles. But multi, a multitude of decades had gone by long before uh, between the second letter to uh, the Church of Thessalonica versus the book of Revelation. So there was, there was no collusion. There was no, you know, that, any of that. So anyway, so we, we go to Revelation chapter 6, praise God, and you look at the third seal, which is, by the way, in play right now. So we're, we're not only are we, okay, so I believe with all of my heart that the fiery red horse that was sent out and granted, you know, one to take peace from the earth and people should kill one another, yada, yada, with a great sword. I believe that that, you know, the Russian army is known as the Red Red Army. It always has been. So that to me is the, we, we're seeing the beginning of the second seal in progress. We are also seeing the third seal heavily in progress. In fact, according to what I was reading today by the people that ought to know such things, that specialize in this stuff. The wheat supplies on the earth are going to run out by August, the first week of August. Now, I, you know, if they're going to come up with a plan B or something like that, I have no idea. But right now, the experts that track these things, they're looking at the wheat the wheat supplies that are on hold, the ones that are in storage, they're looking at the production, they're looking at the production that's not happening, and according to their calculations, the global wheat supply will be gone by the first week of August. And of course, you know, I'm not going to get into the politics of blaming Russia for everything and all that, because this was already happening before Russia's special operation. It was all, I was already totally in flight. But, you know, you want to blame the boogeyman so the fiery red horse continues to do what the fiery red horse is, you know, christened by God to do. It was God who gave the fiery red horse the sword. But then the third seal, scarcity on the earth. Who who would debate this? Entire grocery stores all over New York, absolutely no baby formula. We're running emergency shipping, we're filling up ships, we're filling up huge container ships, and we're bringing baby formula by, you know, probably hundreds of tons of it over from the United Kingdom and other places that they get it from. That's how serious the supply, uh, the absence of supplies is. But that's the tip of the iceberg. It's, 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 it, the energy prices go up. When the energy prices go up, it takes more to make a can of Campbell's soup. Every single thing requires energy. You need fertilizer in order to do the, the whole supply chain is completely dorked. 
It's dork. This is a series of domino effects that I, I see all the time. There is this hope, you know, written into these articles that, well, you know, we're going to be able to overcome this because of the new Green Deal and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm thinking, you know, you're not overcoming diddly. My Bible is very clear. I'm looking right at the third seal, and I see what happens next. And it ain't no respite. It ain't no you know, uh, 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 transfer of wealth so all Christians can go out and buy new cars. It's, none of that's in the Bible. It's, it's poppycock. So, um, and I just feel sorry for people. I feel very sorry for people that otherwise have a pretty good anointing in, in the Lord and have historically done a wonderful job prophesying, but they've, they've adopted nonsensical beliefs, and then they start to preach them and teach them to people, and then it gives people false hope. It's the job of Christians to share with one another, like it says in in, in Acts chapter 3, to sell what we have and give to everyone in accordance to their need and to the unbelievers. But the third seal is clear. It says a quart of wheat for a denarius. And at the time it was written, a denarius was a day's wages. A quart of wheat. What can you do with a quart of wheat? Well, maybe make a loaf of bread. Then it even goes on to say three quarts of denarius for, or, uh, of barley for a denarius. So, um, but the key here is it says, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So, pretty much, now we know beyond any shadow of a doubt, oil and the wine is referring to the bride of Jesus Christ. There are so many scriptures that talk about you can't put new wine into old wineskins because they'll burst. In other words, we have to be changed, um, uh, supernaturally sanctified, to be able to receive the new wine, the blessing from Jesus, the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not not and anybody that there's this belief system out there that anybody that walks off the street and and, and stumbles their way into a church is going to like receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day, and it's just not how it works. The oil and the wine at the end of the third seal is a direct reference to the bride of Jesus Christ. Why would it not include the barley harvest, the first fruits barley harvest, you know, as well as the wheat, as well as the grapes? It would. It would be an all-inclusive statement. So when you look at all the data that comes directly from the Scripture – appears very, very, very evident that we are going to be here, even those of us who, by the blessings and the mercy of God only, might be chosen as part of the barley harvest. We're going to be here until the third seal is completely done. I mean, it's going to be, it'll be a global financial collapse. It'll be a complete collapse of the petrodollar. And, and boy, you think the crummy little 15, 20%. Now, we're being lied to, and they're, they're dorking with the numbers. They always have. They did it under Trump. They did it under every other president. You know, our peanut butter uh, jars have been shrinking. They're so darn small right now, you can barely do three pieces of bread with a jar. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 
I remember when a, when a, when, a, when you would buy a peanut a peanut butter uh, jar, and the thing was like, golly, Jiminy Crickets, probably sixty ounces, sixty four ounces, a huge thing, and it would cost like a buck eighty nine. And over the last 11, 12, 13 years, they've been getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and the price keeps going up. That's called hyperinflation. This idea that we're suddenly under this inflation of 15% right now because of all the weirdness that's going on with Obama and the evil and whatever, that is a lie. It's a lie from the devil. It's satanic. It's because we're gullible, just like sheep. There's been hyperinflation in place for over 15 years. It it started about 15 years ago, and it got worse and worse and worse. When we were watching our food supplies and the packaging of our food supplies get smaller and smaller and smaller without the price changing, that's hyperinflation. And it's way beyond 15% probably three or four hundred percent. So given all of the scientific warnings, all of the warnings of the people who track the food supply chains, the, the crop growing, let me tell you something. This is a billion-dollar industry. It's much bigger than most people realize. It's going to get a lot worse. But the good news is that when it finally gets as bad as it can get, the scripture says, don't harm the bride. The bride starve. God's mandate to the black horse with his scales in his hands was, hey, a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to starve to death. A lot of people are going to be taken out of, on gurneys right there in your neighborhood, right there in your cul-de-sac and everything. But don't harm the bride. It seems very, very clear to me, praise Jesus, hallelujah, that the Lord showed me that because in the midst of the seals unfolding, which are going to get progressively worse and worse, pretty horrible, okay, to have to endure. Think about it. What is it going to be like for us when there is no food? How bad will the riots be in the streets then? Is that what's going to trigger the Civil War, or is it going to be Trump getting assassinated or something? Who knows? We don't know. I mean, it, you know, maybe it's a combination of those things. And what about the force seal, which is obviously, it's, it's even given a subtitle in the New King James. It says, widespread death on the earth. When he opened the force seal, I heard the voice of the, third li- or the fourth living creature, come and see. And so I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name who sat on it was death and hellfire fi- followed after him. Power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, hunger and death and the beast of the earth. So you've got war. You got people dropping dead because they're hungry. Isn't it interesting that they're dropping dead because they're hungry right after the third seal? But somehow God is going to provide provisions for the bride, probably supernaturally. And while this is coming, while this is all bubbling up and turning the whole world into a horrible, horrible, I mean, oh my gosh, then you got the sixth seal that just pops right in there. 
which you know, and, I, I'm, and, and I'm not going to get into the details of the synergy of all of those things. That that literally could be easily, uh, you know, two four-hour programs back-to-back. I'd have to do a lot of, I'd have to spend about four hours uh, hunting down all of the scriptures that build out the tapestry of the biblical storyline that supports all of these events. Because, oh my goodness, I mean, again, that what about that little nine, ten-year-old boy that saw the alien invasion occurring while World War III was in progress? That is a very, 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 very significant um, vision, arguably one of the most important ones of all. Remember that Sori Park, Pastor Sori Park, talked to Jesus in person, and that man was very anointed. Okay, and Jesus told him. NASA is going to show up on TV worldwide and tell everybody that the aliens took the people. That's the barley harvest. Stitch it all together. That kind of seems to me that maybe, maybe that alien invasion that that 10-year-old boy saw, which and it wasn't no fake one, so forget about all that noise. You know, yes, we know that there are... I don't care about that stuff. I'm focusing on the real stuff here. The real stuff. The stuff that our Heavenly Father God sends upon the earth, which it states exceedingly clearly in Isaiah 13 and Joel 2. Just for starters. Those are real aliens in real spaceships. So when when... You, when God blesses us with a you know ten year old boy who's on his deathbed going to heaven and then coming back and telling his mother what the Lord showed him, and it's associated it actually occurs at the same time as World War III is in progress, which would be the fourth seal. Put it all together. It's really looking pretty strong that we're going to be here in the midst of World War III. Never mind all of the God's Healer 7 visions and stuff of fire and and airplanes dropping bombs and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's all part of it. And, and then, you know, you connect it back to David Doetry stuff. You connect it back to Sori Park, the big, giant copper spaceship, all that stuff. Even Pastor uh, uh, Augusto Perez saw the giant Death Star spaceship. It's all, and, 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 then, it, and then it goes, it, it, it connects directly back to Second Thess- Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Wow. Oh, my gosh. The strong delusion. And the gathering together to Jesus in the rapture. It's, so, so, you know, God bless everybody that just loves to go out and listen into a minute to this and this show and that show and this show and that show. And that, and that. That's great. I love it. The more people that are out there spreading the word and getting people excited, the better. Hallelujah. But when it detracts, when the message that's being sent detracts from the scripture, then you got a little bit of a problem. Raising my hand. You don't know these things until the Lord shows them to you. Praise Jesus. 
And then when he does, and you're like sitting there and you listen to everybody going, rapture, 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 bubble, 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 bubble. And it's kind of like, you know, watching the Willy Wonka, you know. And who was that? Was that a gut? Well, not wasn't Augustus Gloop. Who was it? Verusha Salt? Which was, or what was the name of the one that blew up into a giant blueberry? That's kind of like a rapture bubble. You know, and that's we're seeing that again. We've had this happen multiple times over the last 10 years. And that's all they were was rapture bubbles. And there'll be all kinds of people boohooing and crying on YouTube and oh, the Lord, I mean, there's going to be a rapture is going to happen anytime now. And Get on the ark. Get on the ark. Get on the ark. Boy, oh, boy, if I had a penny for every time somebody said, get on the ark, get on the ark. Sometime I I really think what I might just go ahead and do, just for grins and giggles, is set up a radio show where I just do three solid hours of reading prophecies that I've collected over the last 11 years. And I'll mark the dates. I'll be like, oh, by the way, this one was September 22nd of 2011. Let's read it. And we'll read it together. I'll read it together on the show. And you'll be able to say, whoa, that was like over 10 years ago. But the way it reads is it, it's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, there, there are ones that I had, and I've mentioned this before, praise Jesus, but it's just the way it is. It's part of our walk. We've got to deal with it. We, but if you know your scripture, you don't have to worry about it. But I, I, can, I won't name the names, but I will tell you that oh, there – April, it was April of 2017, the first couple of weeks of April of 2017. And there were literally people that had relatively well-established prophecy-based ministries that were telling people, don't leave your house. Don't go to work. This is it. It is the end. And then I'm getting letters from people before, you know, I'm getting ready to start my work day and they're sending me, I'm afraid to go to work. I'm afraid to get in my car. Did you see that prophecy? I'm like, dude, get in your car, go to work. Forget about it. I even had a big old calendar up on the side of the office right over here with a giant. I had one of those big, fat Sharpie pens, and I wrote right on that calendar who said it and what they said right on, that, right on those dates because I wanted to be able to show people what we got to do as believers. And it all comes from understanding the flow of the text, the understanding what the epistles meant, what they were talking about, what the backstory was. Why did Paul write that in the first place? It's talking about the coming together uh, with Christ and being able to logically reason out in your mind that that must be the rapture because there's no other way that people could come together with Christ. They're not going to send out a whole bunch of little, I don't know, George Jetson, you know, flying cars to everybody and say, here, get get in here and join us over, uh, you know, (laughs) there's Jesus, you know, it's so, there's only one thing that it can mean, and it means what it means. It's obvious. Praise God. How cool is that? It's just sad that it's not obvious to as many people that ought to be obvious to, because then we wouldn't have those giant, you know, Verusha salt blueberry rapture bubbles that occur periodically that end up blowing up 
and letting a lot of people slip into a state of depression, um, sometimes causing a chain reaction of negative events in their lives and their families and their churches and their congregations and all that kind of stuff. I know. Been there, done that. Praise God. Anyway, I I pray in Jesus' name in the midst of the gigantic um, blueberry bubble, uh, blueberry rapture bubble, that this was meaningful to you. Um, And please do, you know, go ahead and take a look at 2 Thessalonians 2 real, real carefully now that you know the backstory. Um, And also, please take another look at, you know, uh, Revelation, uh, you know, chapter 6, where it's talking about the third seal and, you know, consider the oil and the wine. It's the bride. Why would God put that into text and and say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's almost all the bride, but not really. Oh, come on. Oh, it's the bride. So she's still here on earth. And then you put together everything else, and it's like, you know, David Daughtry, Sorry Park, all that stuff. And it's just, it, 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 the movie's been written. The screenplay's been released. The cameras are rolling. But it isn't the big blueberry. Praise God. And on that note, let's go ahead and continue through and into the prayer vigil. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And starting with this. And by the way, please do continue to lift up uh, Brother Kirk Martin. He's uh, gotten through his massive surgery. And let me tell you something. This was like almost like a heart transplant. This surgery was so huge. And his recovery time is like practically a year. So, but anyway, he needs your prayers more than anything. Please, please lift him up. Uh, but he is the author, the singer, him and his wife of this song, Majesty. And I think it's very, very powerful. And I'm praying for him every day. Praise God. Here it is. Max lift 
And that it suffers so its children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room As you pass down the bread to be torn The lady knocks, understands the reach of his plan In his love we were told to rejoice, not to mourn So we gather from memory the glory of the Lamb The one who was slain for the seed of Abraham As we long for your coming We imagine the feast, the king and his bride When our waiting has ceased As he arose and went back up to heaven to the heavenly course You lifted the cup of forgiveness It was paid, it was done You had power to call And I can only imagine The thunder sound As though heaven exploded in tears We were free from our chains Now all that remains Is to never give in we are destined to win, so we gather remembering the healer of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord of our all, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we Believe in a land All of creation Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All skies will be healed As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased. Don't be called the 
Remember that we are from dust. Psalm 103.11, I believe it is. Remember that we are from dust. We're imperfect. We need you. We desperately need your strength, your forgiveness. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the things that we still have in our lives, those weaknesses, those mistakes we make on occasion, those slips we make in our speech, those reactions that we have in our hearts, those things that we know deep down inside are not really godly. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will wash them all away. And we praise you for doing it. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity, Father, and cleanse us from our sin. For Lord, we acknowledge our transgressions. Our sin is always before us. Against you, our Father, who loves us, and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and in our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, but in the hidden part. You will make us to know your wisdom. Pour it out on his Father. Purge us with his up. Wash us. Make us whiter than snow. Father, we pray that we will hear joy and gladness as we go through the trials and the tribulations and the doubts and the difficulties and the depressions and the, all the different emotions that surge upon us in the midst of all of the awful things that are happening across this dark, dark world. We pray that you will fill us with joy and gladness. Help us to understand how unbelievably blessed we are. Create in each of us Every week, Father, please, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Restore to us, Father, the joy of your salvation. Help us to remember that we're on the boat. And we need to bring as many more people on that boat as we can. Because then we will teach those people your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. One last thing, Father, please. Deliver us from the guilt of our past sins. Allow not those fiery darts of remembrance of darkness and mistakes that we have made haunt us and make us to feel unworthy. Let us, Father, contend together. As Isaiah 43:25 says, and call down your power, your glory, your will, your fire to touch and change people's lives as was part of our destiny before we were born. 
that was written in our books before there was time. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father God. Amen. Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lododi, Lododi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
You were smiling, always strong and secure through your word. Like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter to the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow. Through the spirit and serenity, it's between. You were hurt for my offense. You were sick for my deceit. You were poor for my prosperity. You were strong and I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God Almighty to always be with me. And I know I will never be
Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we declare in Jesus' name the divine and holy fire of God to descend upon us, to surround around about our houses, our workplaces, our cars, wherever we go. We decree in the name of Jesus a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, a thorny hedge of protection to intermingle with it in the name of Jesus Christ, to permeate and to move through all the rooms of our house, to shut down every portal, to burn every single fiery dart, to vaporize every earthly and spiritual weapon. Any entity of the darkness, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, any worker of Satan of any type, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus at the moment that they set their wills against us, we decree the fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in the horrific screaming agony, making a public spectacle of them thereof, in accordance with Colossians 2.15, which we bind before the courts of heaven against them. We declare and decree in Jesus' name for an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Hallelujah. Father, we declare and plead with the courts of heaven for a dispatch of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission, Father, for each of us to ferret out all indirect attempts to come against us, to move throughout our work places, to listen in on conversations, when they hear anything that is negative, anything that could trip us up, anything that could cause us any more pain or discontent or difficulties than we're already dealing with, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that these angels will put it out, that they will completely change the minds, mute the people that are speaking to evil, and shut down any portals that are raised against us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, for this protection. We need this protection now more than ever. We pray that you will extend it to our loved ones. We declare your holy fire around about them in the name of Jesus. We pray that you will bring them to the ever uh, the unbelievable and eternal knowledge of the truth, which is our love of our Lord Jesus. For any one of our loved ones who are unsaved, Father, we praise your holy name because we know that you are going to save their souls. Because, Father, we ask you now, please, in Jesus' name, save their souls. Save the souls of their husbands. Save the souls of their parents. Save their souls. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. And we believe, Mark eleven twenty three. we believe, John 14, 12, 13, and 14, we believe because your word says it. And we praise your holy name and we thank you. We thank you for saving their souls. We thank you for your holy fire. We thank you for your divine protection. We praise you, Father God, for protecting us against the darkness that we are able, we are enabled through your incredible amazing mercy and divine protection father from the throne room of god that 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 that, that the, the 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 path will be paved wide open for us to be able to walk this journey out and to continue to serve you without with with no abandon whatsoever in jesus mighty name we thank you for your holy fire we praise you for your favor we praise you oh lord our god just lift your countenance upon us and give us peace in jesus name thank you you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we sought for a man amongst them to make a wall and stand in the gap before me, our Father, on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Father, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? Here we are. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Father, we know where the greatest turmoil is in the earth right now. We also know where the greatest turmoil is. The next place that the greatest turmoil is most likely to break out 
especially in accordance with your word. And Father, we're just going to pray for your divine will to be done because you would not want to perish. And Lord, our God, through your mercy, we pray that you will pour out a golden cup of forgiveness upon all of the peoples of the lands of Eastern Europe and even into Russia, to whom you have given the great sword of death for now at this time. Father, we pray for all of the people, the good and the bad. The good and the bad. We ask you, Father, please forgive them. Even if but for a time, please forgive them, for they clearly do not know what they do. And Father, for any of them that do know, we ask special mercies upon them. Please, Father, in accordance with your will, pour out a golden cup of forgiveness upon them all, every one of them. Every one of them. Even into the lands of Israel. Even into the surrounding enemies of Israel. The mothers, the fathers, those who are just innocent victims of the place which they were born. Lord, we pray, forgive them in Jesus' name. For as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and your servant Daniel did in chapter 9, verse 25, on behalf of all of Israel, as a royal priesthood, Father, we pray that you will forgive them. We confess of their sins before thee, Lord, our God. We confess of the sins of the people of the Ukraine. We confess of the sins of the peoples of Belarus. We confess of the sins of the Chechnyans that are uh, doing the urban combat. We confess of the sins of the Russian Federation soldiers. We confess of the sins of the people that live in the Ukraine. We confess of the sins of the Nazis of the Azov Battalion. We confess of the sins of the people uh, that were involved in the biolabs. Father, we confess of all of their sins, the peoples in the lands of Israel, the peoples in the lands of Syria, the peoples in the lands of the Moabites, the Amorites, and all of the entities that, 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 that dwell around us, the king of Persia, all the evil that exists in those lands. We confess of their sins before thee, Father, in the name of Jesus. We confess. Father, forgive them, we pray, in Jesus' name. Even if but for a time, we're looking for a breakthrough. Glory be to God. principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Belarus, above the lands of Russia, above the lands of the Ukraine, above the lands of Eastern and Poland, and, and all of the uh, uh, surrounding countries, all the way into the Middle East and Israel and, and Syria in the name of Jesus, and Persia, and the Moabites, and the Amorites that surround them, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Father. Father. 
We declare the fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn these entities into screaming and horrific agony. In Jesus' name, making a public spectacle of them thereof. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, we bind it before the courts of heaven against them. We decree fire swords of cherubim to shoot down from the heavens and to cut them into pieces. We declare fire of God to burn them into horrific agony. Hallelujah. And we plead, Father, in the name of Jesus, who are an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon them and to wage war against them such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of these lands, we command you, come forth, strong men, out now, in the name of Jesus, we declare the dispatch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon thee and to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to burn the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, and we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. For only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Father, we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to completely encapsulate all of the people, even if but for a short period of time. Father, deep into the night, deep into the night, when your glory can come upon them in dreams and visions in accordance with Job 33, 14, and 15 in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray your crystal river, your living water, deep into their hearts to fertilize the soil, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. And, and, and in accordance with John 15:16, our Lord God, we praise your name, and we thank you, for you would want not one to perish. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above these lands. We part it for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's power, and heaven's resources to descend in accordance with these prayers in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, alleluia. And Father God, we pray for an innumerable company of angels of light and love, the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, to descend upon the myriad of people across these lands, an innumerable company, really, hundreds of millions in Jesus' name. Father, to touch them, to reach out to them, to speak to them in their dreams and visions, to lead them to the foot of the cross. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will reveal yourself to them, the man in the white robe, with love, compassion, calling them by their name so that they know who you are. We praise your name. We thank you, Father. We thank you for hearing and acting upon these prayers. Incline thine ear, Father, that your will may be done. Each the strength. Give us each the, the calm of heart the trust that we need in you to get us through the days ahead. The understanding of your scripture that's required to be Nepho, level-headed, that we may be able to console our brothers and sisters who are caught up in the bubble. Everyone out of love, kindness, humility, Give lots of hugs and help those who are just too poor to be able to feed their families. Always mentioning the love of Jesus. We praise you, Lord, for every opportunity, every day that you give us just one more chance to please you. One more chance to fulfill our calling. One more chance 
bring one more person on the boat. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. And I have to mention, on June 3rd, which is a Friday, I will be flying back from my client site, which is on the other side of the country. Uh, Unfortunately, that will intersect with the prayer vigil and make it highly unlikely that I will be able to do it. But if a miracle happens and everything goes really well, I might be able to, but looking at the itinerary right now, it doesn't look very helpful. So we'll just have to hang in there. It's all right. Praise God. We should all be in prayer anyway, every day, or at least as often as you possibly can throughout the week. And I'd tell you what, if I were you, I don't think I would start any day without declaring in Jesus' name that any entity attempting, even setting their will against you, even but for a moment, be utterly burned by the fire of God. All I can tell you is I've gone through books of prayers, and I do mean books, And things really started to change. There's a reason why the two witnesses breathed fire out of their mouths for three and a half years. That metaphor is the power of declaring the fire of God as your weapon. What a blessing. God bless you all. Um, If I don't see you next Friday, I'll see you as soon as I can (laughs) on one of the other shows. Glory be to God. I pray that the show blessed you and we're all a little bit more level-headed and not floating around on the big blueberry. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Give us your strength, Father, every day. Amen. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our mind. Renew our souls. Remove the scars from our past. And deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. 
When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free